What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Travel is just not what you think it is. It's exciting. You know, I made friends from all over the world. I think I was the only American there. So I was speaking Spanish half the time. I was translating Spanish to, you know, their Spanish to English for the Germans. I mean, it was really very, it was really very interesting. I loved it. I hitchhiked all over the country. It was, it was the most independent I've ever felt in my life. And that kind of got me going. Welcome to the Budget Minded Traveler Podcast, your source for the tips and tactics that will inspire and equip you to travel the world. And the best part, it won't break your bank. And now, the Budget Minded Traveler herself and your host, Jackie LaLainen. Hey, everyone. We are continuing our series on solo female travel today with Rachel Sales, who is a co-founder of Pink Pangea, which is an online community for women who love to travel. And we're going to talk more about that and what Pink Pangea has to offer all of you female travelers out there in this episode. Rachel is an experienced traveler and writer with a BA in English and an MFA in creative writing. And she's currently living with her husband in Israel, which we're also going to talk about. She has a particular interest in the former Soviet Union, as you will hear, along with some brilliant advice for females looking to travel without a partner. And before we get into the interview, I just want to mention one thing. I recorded this interview from Italy and Rachel was in Israel. So if there are hiccups in the audio, that's why. I am doing my best to keep producing this podcast from the road, so please forgive any technical issues as they are sure to arise. So here we go. All right, I've got Rachel Sales on the line here today. Rachel, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you so much for joining me today. And you are in, where in the world are you today? I'm in Tel Aviv, Israel. I love that. I was actually reading your your uh, bio, and <laughs> the last part of your bio says that you currently live surrounded by palm trees in Tel Aviv, Israel, which just yeah, sounds... You know, <laughs> I don't think it's something that you really think about, like palm trees, Israel, oh, beach, like, and you're like right by the beach, aren't you? 
Well, I have to tell you, it used to say I live 10 minutes from the beach, but I actually moved 20 minutes from the beach. So I thought that, you know, didn't sound as close as 10 minutes, <laughs> but I do still live next to a, like a very long row of palm trees, which makes my day. So I added that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I love that you're even in Israel at all. Uh, we're going to have to get there. But first, I kind of want to go back and just find out who you are and where you come from. What is what is your story? Sure. Um, so also, thank you so much for having me on the show. I have been listening to The Budget Minded Traveler <laughs> since it started during my run on the beach in Tel Aviv. So this that. is really a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, That's an honor. <laughs> thank you. Sure. So I am originally from Queens, New York. Um, I lived in Manhattan for eight years before moving to Tel Aviv with my husband. And I'm the co-founder and editor of Pink Pangea. We are a women's travel company. Um, I run it with Jacqueline Michal. And we we publish uh, women's travel stories from all over the world. And we also run travel writing, meditation and yoga retreats and workshops all over the world. And how did you get into that? Where did you start? I mean, where in your life did you start traveling? So I started traveling with my family at a pretty young age. We went on some interesting trips. We went to Iceland when I was around 11 We went to Israel. We went to a bunch of places, did some road trips in the States. And uh, I think what really kicked it off was that I went to volunteer on a kibbutz when I was 18 um, and by myself. And I had no idea what to expect. So I, I actually, just to explain for anyone who doesn't know, a kibbutz is kind of like a socialist commune in Israel. Uh, where everyone is supposed to volunteer and work together, just maintain the kibbutz. And if there's like a local industry and everyone is supposed to receive the same amount of money uh, and live, you know, happily ever after. So it doesn't exactly work that way anymore. Um, <laughs> most kibbutz, most kibbutzim, as, as they say, like plural, is not are not uh, socialist anymore, but they're still very close communities in just sort of more uh, rural nature areas in Israel. Like there's a lot in the north, just not very close to cities. So I went there to volunteer, had no idea what to expect. I kind of thought it was going to be this idyllic experience with uh, me on the tractors, grabbing peaches, you know, (laughs) from the trees. Um, I don't know, wearing like some farmer's hat or something. That was the biggest wake up of my life. It was basically me with a lot of travel, like people just who were traveling all over the world, um, kind of like ended up in Israel randomly. And it was a cheap place for them to live and work and, you know, not really have to spend any money and experience an interesting lifestyle. And I was cleaning toilets most of the time. Um, So, (laughs) you know, it was actually a huge, it was a huge adventure. And I just realized that travel is just not what you think it is. It's exciting. You know, I made friends from all over the world. I think I was the only American there. So I was speaking Spanish half the time. I was translating Spanish to, you know, their Spanish to English for the Germans. I mean, it was really very, it was really very interesting. I loved it. I hitchhiked all over the country. It was, it was the most independent I've ever felt in my life. And that kind of 
got me going. That's incredible. And that was, you say you were 18 years old. And how long did you say that was for? That was for two months. Two months. Okay. So if I'm guessing correctly, because you're living there now, you obviously really liked Israel. So did you continue to go there or how did your travels continue after you had discovered this new love for, for travel? Yeah. So I actually, I did, I did love Israel. Um, I, I had no idea what to expect of the country. And, uh, and you know, when you kind of like fall in love with the place, you just want to keep going back and discovering more of it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I did keep going back to Israel. Um, and I spent different, I spent time in different areas in the South where literally nobody speaks a word of English. So I was speaking Russian and Spanish and Hebrew. It's, it's very interesting. Like it's a place where a lot of immigrants live. Um, I spent time living in Jerusalem, which is just the most intense and crazy city in the world. Uh, I think it's good for, I mean, people love it. I think personally for me for a few days to visit and then I need to breathe. So Two months was a lot for that city for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you're living in another country and you're learning, you're speaking different languages, for me, it made me really fall in love with the travel experience, going places on my own, discovering new things. And then I started kind of looking around myself. I took Russian in college. Um, I started traveling to different countries in the former Soviet Union by myself. And uh, every trip you know, involved a layover and that layover would become a trip in and of itself. So that kind of got the book started for me. I can't believe you took I Russian you in, tra- in, uh, in college. That's so amazing. Cause just cause it's not the normal Spanish or French, you know? Um, it was and- not cool to tell you, it was not cool to do that. <laughs> there were, there were about 10 people in my class and everybody was really into Dostoevsky and I, I like Dostoevsky, but I wasn't taking it to read Dostoevsky in Russian. I was taking it to travel to the former Soviet Union to speak to Russians, which was like just not cool at the time that I was doing it. But I loved it. (laughs) Way to go against the grain and do something different, though, you know? Yeah. Um, I love that you actually got to speak all the different languages in Israel, too. That's something that I I haven't been to Israel before. And so, I mean... (laughs) Only what I know is, you know, from 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 stories from other people. And so listening to you talk about it like this is is fascinating to me as a linguist, as you know, someone who speaks multiple languages. I love the idea of going there and being able to speak Spanish. And because one of the things for me uh, about traveling is um, obviously the language. But no, because I have the language background I just automatically, like when I get in a new country, there's something there that makes me immediately want to connect. And if I cannot speak the language at all, I get more frustrated than I think that the norm that normal travelers do. I don't even know if that makes sense, but it's like it should be something that I can do and I can. It's so frustrating. And so when I find that outlet, like someone who speaks Spanish, for example, in Thailand, I'm like, I go crazy. I just start talking their ear off because I'm like, yay, someone I can speak their language. It's amazing. <laughs> no, it's the best. I had actually, I was um, on a trip to Italy two years ago. We, I'm, I was with my husband and we met another traveler that wanted to take a, you know, wanted us to take a picture of her. And, um, and I remember that she, we communicated 
with her in Russian, in Spanish, mm-hmm. in Italian. Like we were literally using every language possible, <laughs> not English. It was it was the funniest thing. And we're like, okay, okay, we basically you know, used all the languages we have. So we hope she doesn't pull out something else. <laughs> <laughs> it's so amazing. I know after being in Thailand, actually just last month, I when I landed in Italy, I was like pretty jet lagged and I got picked up by my Airbnb host who happened to speak Spanish and English and Italian. And we spoke all three of them because I didn't even know what was coming out of my brain at that point. You know, I was like so brain fried from from being from traveling. And but it's such a cool thing. It's such an awesome like it's like art. It's like a masterpiece when you can have a conversation in multiple languages and and having the the background, the that specific education to even put you in a place like that is so unique, you know, because I mean, I couldn't have I couldn't have hung in that real in that conversation with you guys if you're speaking Russian. You know what I mean? It's like that really sets you apart and it's such a cool feeling, I think. But I'm very much a language nerd, so I, I you know, that might just I don't think it's just me though. Not just you. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. So after you uh ha- had these kind of escapades, I know you started Pink Pangea. Was that I want to know when when on this point, like in, in your in your life, I guess, when did you get married and, and how much solo travel did you do before and have you done since? So I got married in two, at the end of 2011. Um, I had done I remember when I first started dating my husband in 2009, we met and one week later I I said to him, listen, it's going great, but I'm going on a trip by myself to Belarus. So see ya. Mm -hmm. And he had no idea what I was talking about, but he was just like, okay. Like that's not, you know, it wasn't like the typical thing that someone, you know, that someone says like I'm going to Belarus. Um, But so basically I guess I kept solo traveling until, yeah, like until, until we got married and um, and then he's basically he's been my travel buddy since. Okay, so you don't actually okay. travel solo. You don't you don't need to. You don't feel the need to. You don't do that anymore, right? Uh, no, no, okay. not since then. I honestly, that's kind of awesome because what do you think about solo travel? Like, did you, did you really enjoy it? Did you get everything from it? I mean, are you, do you get that high from it? Like a lot of people do, or do you prefer to have him with you? Well, you know, to be honest, I never even considered the fact that I was solo traveling when I was solo traveling. I just had an idea. I want to go to this destination. And I didn't care if anyone came with me. I didn't even ask anyone to come with me. Like, I I didn't think twice about it, to be honest, because to be honest, like, who wants to come with me to Belarus? Nobody, you know? So I just had places that I wanted to go to. And I booked the ticket. And that was it. Um, so I definitely, I mean, I, I definitely got a high, you know, exploring places by myself. What I also always did was, um, tapped into networks and figured out anyone I would ask anyone I knew if they knew anyone in the places I was going. So to be honest in the trips that I took by myself, I was almost never actually by myself. And I was always with people who lived there. And for some reason, out of like the kindness of their hearts, I guess we really find, you know, the kindness of strangers when we travel, Mm -hmm. they just took me under their wing and spent, you know, days on end with me, which was incredible. That is incredible because these are local people, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And how did you leverage your networks? Did you turn to Facebook? Um, you know, at that time, Facebook was not as helpful as it is now. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, for some reason, it, this is strange, but I was working in the travel industry at the time, actually with, with my co-founder. That's how we met. Mm-hmm. And we worked in an office that had a lot of um, connections to the former Soviet Union. So everyone knew someone. I also traveled by myself to Ukraine. And everyone knew someone in Ukraine and Belarus. So to be honest, it was like pretty easy getting hooked up to different people. I had no idea that they would just like drop everything they were doing and spend their entire week with me. That was just amazing and lucky. Mm -hmm. But like you said, that's, I mean, I would almost call that normal in the train. In the world of travel, you know, the, the magical serendipitous world of travel, because that's what we do for each other. That's these are the kind of people who are, um, I guess, who connect on this. You know, we're, we're all kind of like this. I want you to show me your country, but come and see mine, you know, and let me show you around and, and return the favor. Um, yeah, I think it's also when you're traveling to a place that's, uh, that has fewer tourists. They're really, you know, the locals are really flattered and they're really happy to show you around. Um, so that definitely, you know, that I think that that definitely um, in like a in like the former Soviet Union, during Europe, you'll find that people might be a lot more open to kind of spending time. And they might in, you know, a place with a much higher tourist. Um, that's a much higher tourist destination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did anybody ever Just- kind of call you crazy for wanting to go to the former Soviet Union or or were there any times that you felt actually I guess we're going to answer both of these questions but um, unsafe as a solo female traveler there I mean there's such a stigma around this solo female travel thing I just want to know if if you felt that when you were there mm-hmm. well definitely people thought I was crazy <laughs> I think you know, my whole life, because I was always kind of flying off, you know, at, at any at any break, literally any break, every summer vacation from school, any, you know, Christmas vacation from school, I was out of the country. Everybody knew that. So like, you know, they, they were used to that already. Um, in terms of going to those places, yeah, I mean, a lot of people had never even heard of the countries I was going to. So they didn't even know what I was talking about. Um, in terms of feeling unsafe, I mean, I was I was pretty... I was pretty careful. I remember when I first went, I bought a money belt, um, you know, to keep everything safe. And, you know, of course I, I met a lot of people. So a lot of people knew where I was and were kind of like looking out for me. Um, I never, you know, I was very careful in terms of like, I remember the area I was staying in Minsk was a little sketchy. So I would make sure to be back at my hotel at 9 p.m. every night and I would start my day at like 7 a.m. So I kind of did it that way so that I always felt comfortable. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of following um, daylight actually with that as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Were there any kind of safety precautions that you took? I mean, besides like, it's definitely smart to be out in the, in the, day, you know. Um, but I'm just thinking about like in the book that I wrote, safety was the biggest chapter of, of all the chapters. There's, I had so much to say about all these little things that I did 
just a ton of little things. Um, Mm -hmm. Was there anything that you specifically remember doing that, you know, that would fall into this category? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that all of these safety concerns are really, really uh, region dependent, you know, or country dependent. So what's going to be relevant in New York is going to be completely different, you know, in Tel Aviv. Um, so I will tell you that, you know, when I was 18 years old, I hitchhiked all over the country in Tel Aviv, in, in Israel. And I would, I would never do that today because it's something that is like, people have, have really gotten hurt doing that. Um, I all at that time, I never, I traveled Israel by myself, but I would never have hitchhiked by myself, you know, because that is just a recipe for disaster. So that, that was a really big thing. Um, I really, I mean, most of all, what it came down to was kind of like trusting my gut. I remember I was out with people that I met in Kiev and I felt really uncomfortable by some of the things that, you know, these guys were saying, and I just left. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm by myself. I can do what I want. I'm leaving. This doesn't feel right. Um, yeah. And, you know, of course, just checking in, emailing people, making sure that people knew where I was all the time. That was really important. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That was basically, that was basically what I did. I love that though. And I think you actually just touched on what I would say is the number one, the number one thing. Um, I always say common sense is your best defense. Um, I like that it rhymes. I don't know, but um, (laughs) it's true though. And there's another, there's another thing around that, that, that we talk about that's that we refer to as women's intuition. We all have it. And when you just said trusting your gut, um, I really think that that's the most important thing. Um, if something looks unsafe, you know, get around it, do something else. If, if for any reason you have the strange feeling about that one taxi, get out and get a different one. You know, I mean, there's nothing, it's like we, we, we are, we are in control of the situation to an extent. I mean, bad things can happen to anybody. This is so true. Um, but you know that, like you were saying, like that can happen in New York as easily as it can, as it can happen in Israel or in Belarus. Um, it doesn't really matter where you are. It's just going to be, you know, dependent on the situation. And so definitely using your common sense and trusting your gut is so important. Um, I love that one. Really. That's, I think that's the best one because we can, we can remove ourselves from situations if we, if we find ourselves somewhere that that's uncomfortable and, and, you know, don't be afraid to, to take action on that feeling, I think is one of the bigger parts of that too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So you are, why are you in Israel now? I mean, you are, is your husband from the U S as well? He is. He's from Chicago. Yeah. Okay. So how did you guys end up there? So basically, we're very similar, and uh, we both kind of had the Israel bug where we just kept coming back, coming back, exploring further. You know, we both grew up speaking Hebrew, um, so it's kind of, I mean, that like I, something like the, you know, how many people speak Hebrew? Not that many, right? <laughs> so it's kind of amazing to go to the country where people are speaking that language, um, and then as we were saying, like when you speak the language, you start feeling like you belong and you start feeling comfortable. Um, culture is 
is incredible. It's kind of like live for today. People, you know, there's we like the weekends are a little strange. They begin on Friday and uh, ends on Saturday, but everything kind of closes down on, by Friday afternoon. So it's not at all like a Sunday. Like it's not, you know, your errands day or going to the zoo day or whatever people do on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's like get everything you need for the weekends because <laughs> you're not you're not gonna be able to get it afterwards or you know whatever. So it's really about like spending time with friends and family and just like enjoying the beach or enjoying you know nature wherever you are. Um, that all of that stuff really, really, really appealed to me. People are so in your face. They are so honest. They tell you exactly what they're thinking, and it's just like you're on, it's like an adrenaline rush all the time. It's super intense. And of course, Israel is in the news all the time. And some, you know, and it's the crazy things happen here. Like you, you know, it's like a yin yang, you know, you have like the very people really living life to the fullest. And you also have like, you know, there's a war <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and that's, and that's terrible. It's, it's awful. And you know, you have stabbings. So that's the thing. You have like the good and the bad. Um, but life here is lived. It is so intense. And I guess both of us kind of felt like we, we enjoyed the good parts of it. And, uh, and we wanted to, you know, see what it was like to live here. I love that. So how long have you been there? We've been here for three and a half years. Wow. And mm-hmm. you have an exciting announcement or uh, an exciting addition coming, right? <laughs> yeah, I am going to give birth in around three weeks. <laughs> Crazy! So you're really ex- you're really um, let's say committing to this life in Israel. You're having a baby there, and is this your first? This is my first. I do Yay. think that you know the world. Israel is also a place because it's so small, um, such a tiny country from north to south. It's about like. 10 hours by car. So this is a country where people travel nonstop and they live in many, many places and they speak many, you know, people speak many languages. And um, it's kind of like after the army, it's a rite of passage for people to travel for six months to a year. There's like the India route, there's the Australia route, there's the South America routes. And this is something that like everybody does. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that I also appreciate about the culture here that it's, it's very much like, um, but also the world today is like, you can live someplace for a few years then you can live someplace else. And like, mm-hmm. that's the world. I love it. I love it. Are you, um, can I ask about how you guys, how does it work to live there permanent? Well, I mean, whether it's temporary or not, but permanently like you are with a, with a visa being American citizens. Yeah, sure. So um, it's really easy if you're Jewish. Basically, um, you can live here and get a work visa. It's very, very simple. Um, also, if your partner is Jewish, it's it's a little bit easier. Um, both my my husband and I, we became citizens. So, you know, that's also, it's very easy if you're Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's like the best that's answer like ever awesome. for, I mean, if you're Jewish. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Because that's like such a hard part of of being an expat and wanting to live abroad is having to abide by the the visa laws that are so different everywhere. But it sounds like you found quite the little oasis. I love it. (laughs) Sometimes an oasis when there's not a war. It's uh, more like an oasis. (laughs) Right. 
Um, well, so in the, in the spirit of wanting to talk about solo female travel, um, just one last question for you. Do you have any kind of specific advice that you, you would give to females who may be considering doing this for the first time? Because I know there's a lot of fear around it. There's a lot of conversations going on on Facebook every single day, um, kind of tips around it. But what would you say to that person who, who might be considering doing this? Sure. Well, first of all, what I would say is that um, it's really important to focus on where you're like the place that you're traveling to. As I said, like country based tips are the best. And also that's really what we believe in um, with on Pink Pangea, that we are very focused on people sharing their stories from the specific place that they went to. Because, you know, as I said, it's going to really be very different depending on where you go. So talk to people to get you know their insights. Also, um, I mean, solo travel is, you know, you don't have, like, I never wanted to be held back from going someplace just because I didn't have someone to go with. So that's one thing. You know, you can say, I would say, first of all, if, if it's something that you want to do, but it makes you nervous, um, you can always start small. You can always kind of just go somewhere by yourself. Well, you know, take a walk in your own city by yourself. Spend this the whole day by yourself or go to a town nearby or then go to, you know, a state nearby or go to an English speaking country, you know, like mm-hmm. baby steps, mm-hmm. um, just one thing at a time to test it out. And of course, as we said before, to trust your gut, trust your intuition. Don't do something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, I don't think there's any like I can't say any blanket statements like don't do this, do do this or whatever, because the truth is, you know, I know women who write for Pink Pangea, they couch surf all over the world. That's what they do. And of course, you know, they feel like they need to be a little more, um, you know, wary than maybe a male traveler. And they're just really Mm -hmm. careful with how they read the reviews and how they read the website and how, you know, and how they how their hosts speak to them and what vibes they get, all of that. So that's always really important to pick up on. But I don't think that there's anything, you know, it's, it's going to be different traveling in one place than it's going to be in another. Like, but, um, but I think that a woman can, can solo travel wherever she wants. I agree completely. And I think that's really, really good advice. Um, and uh, Pink Pangea is we haven't even talked about that yet. Um, why don't you basically, because I know that there are going to be a lot of good resources, a lot of good stories on there, and I'd love to share that with listeners. So why don't you um, maybe just tell us quickly what, what Pink Pangea is and where people can find it? Sure. So Pink Pangea, we started in 2009, and it's a place where thousands of women have shared their travel experiences, both um, inspiring stories and their travel tips all over the world. And, um, and it's a place that anyone can go to kind of find people that are like them, seeing the world. I mean, we think we think that the women who have traveled to these places, they're the experts themselves. So that's the best place to get travel information from. Um, we also run retreats and workshops, writing, yoga, meditation. We have upcoming ones in Costa Rica, in New York, um, in Greece, in Italy, in Switzerland, in Israel. Um, Cuba is coming soon too. So, And you can find us at pinkpangea.com. Perfect. Perfect. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your expertise on the subject. I mean, it's it's definitely something that we really can't talk about enough as we want to encourage 
you know, females out there to go and travel, whether they have a travel buddy or not. So thank you so much for, for sharing. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll have to follow you on Pink Pangea and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you so much. And come visit. I'd love to show you around Tel Aviv. Ooh, I won't take that lightly. (laughs) Awesome. I'm going to see you there then. That sounds perfect. Great. All right. As always, you guys, you can find the show notes for this episode at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 59. And don't forget to head on over to Pink Pangea and subscribe, check them out, browse their articles. They have so much good stuff for female travelers out there, endless stories. Um, that's actually how Rachel and I originally got connected. I did an interview, a written interview with them on there. So I'll go ahead and link to that and a couple of pieces written by Rachel. I'm going a link to these things on the show notes page. So pinkpangea.com and thebudgetmindandtraveler.com slash 59. <laughs> I'm already forgetting. Um, thanks a lot, you guys. See you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.